Our text today comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and I'm going to do my best because this book was written by John the Evangelizer, the disciple of Jesus, but it's talking about John the Baptist. And so to just to keep my own mind straight, I'm going to do my best to say the Baptist or the evangelist, just so that we keep things straight. 1 John chapter 1, starting with verse 29. The next day, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John, the Baptist, bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John the Baptist speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. Neither the Baptist nor the evangelist. You shall be called Caiaphas. All right. Whew. Now, today I want to talk about the fact that we share the invitation to come and see in order that others might come and stay. There's this process that happens. John the baptizer witnesses Jesus at his baptism, the father saying, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. He witnesses this with his own eyes, and then he gives testimony to others and invites them to come and see, and Jesus does this exact same thing. He, he bears witness, invites others that they might come and see, that they can then invite others as well. So where are you in that process? How are we doing at calling out to others? Maybe, maybe that's kind of where you are in your faith walk right now. Or maybe you invite others to come and, and see Jesus. Or maybe you're in the process right now of hearing that call to follow. Or maybe you've been following long enough now that you can start to see the work that God is doing in your life. But first we witness. John says, I myself, the Baptist, says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. It's so interesting that John the Baptist says, I didn't know him. And we're like, my goodness, dude, your, your family, <laughs> right? When, when Mary visited Elizabeth, both pregnant, you jumped in your mother's womb because you were so excited to be in the presence of Jesus. 
So what in the world does John mean when he, he says, I, I, I don't even know him? Well, see, this gospel written by John the Evangelist, the whole point of this gospel is not just to tell us and identify Jesus. But it's important to know that this gospel is about revealing to us what kind of Messiah Jesus would be. The baptizer was an eyewitness. And John the Baptist bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. He bore witness. This is something along the lines of what we would discover in a, in a, a legal proceeding. Whenever you need somebody to testify to what they have seen with their own, own eyes or a specific knowledge that they have to be able to share, that's what it means to bear witness. I've seen this with my own eyes. I know this to be true. This case, John is witnessing the sight of the Holy Spirit descending and remaining on Jesus. Then in verse 35, he says, The next day, John, the baptizer, was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Remember that word, behold, is that pay attention, don't miss what I'm about to say. This is important. There is the Lamb of God. Now, this concept of Lamb of God, even though it may be really familiar to, to many of us, it really wasn't that much, it wasn't used that much in Scripture. In fact, the, the Lamb of God doesn't appear at all in the Old Testament. There's plenty of lambs that are sacrificed in the Old Testament. But that phrase, Lamb of God, doesn't occur until John writes about it in his gospel. John the evangelist writes about it in his gospel two times in this text that we have for today. And then not at all the rest of his gospel. You maybe think that, boy, this Lamb of God, if it's a sacrificial Lamb of God, maybe they talk about that during the Passion Week of Jesus where he suffers and dies and rises again. John doesn't use that. In fact, John is the only other writer in Scripture who uses that phrase, Lamb of God. And the only other time that it appears is in the book of Revelation where the Holy Spirit captures John up and gives him this vision of what this new heaven and new earth will look like, how this kingdom of God will come to fruition. And it comes by this opening up of a scroll that sets in motion all of the, the rounds of sevens, the seven plagues, the seven, the seven uh, uh, angels, the seven churches, all of the sevens start to come out after this scroll is opened. The kingdom of God happens when this opens. In Revelation chapter 5, John the Evangelist writes this, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I, <coughs> excuse me. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And here's where John gets a vision of this lion of Judah, root of David. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain the Lamb of God. You see, Jesus has the authority, only Jesus has the authority to set these events into motion. Jesus has the authority to forgive and raise the dead. 
because he was the lamb who was slain. That sacrifice for all of humanity, for all of time, that's what gives him his power and authority to do what only Jesus can do. It's that lamb that sits and reigns on the throne and reigns eternally victorious. The lamb of God. John also uses this term, son of God. Right? We know this from the baptism when, when John the baptizer heard with his own ears and saw the spirit fall and, and, and descend and, and to rest on Jesus. He hears the father's words, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. The son of God. As a son of God in all of his 100% godness can do what no human being ever before could do. He could keep the law perfectly without ever sinning. He could work amazing signs and wonders. He, for, he could forgive sins. He could raise the dead. And most of all, he had the power and authority and ability, capacity to shoulder the weight of all the sins of all the world throughout all of history as he went to the cross. I mean, just think about that. Just think about the sins that you have already committed and will continue to commit for the rest of your life. And multiply that by all the people in the world. Generation after generation after generation. Only Jesus could do that. And then Paul uses this word Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew word for the Greek word Christ. It's, it's not Jesus' last name. It's not Jesus Christ. It's Jesus of Nazareth. But his title is Christ, is Messiah, which means anointed one for a very important and special mission and purpose, that being to rescue creation from sin. Now, John the Baptist makes this announcement that this is the Messiah, but he, he's, he's still not fully understanding what that means or what type of Messiah Jesus will be. The other three gospel writers tell us that, that John the Baptist was expecting more of a powerful Messiah who would come with judgment against Israel's uh, enemies and would forgive the sins of all and bring them into his kingdom. He didn't understand that the Messiah meant to be a suffering servant, a lamb that was slain. How is God at work in your life? These are the things that John has witnessed by his own eyes and ears. But what about you? What have you seen God at work doing in your life? I wonder if there's people here today who know who Jesus is, like could identify the person of Jesus, but doesn't have the relationship with him to understand what kind of Savior Jesus is for us. That that means that, that, that to think about who he is actively engaged in your life. What, what incredible things has he spared you from? Terrible things that could have almost happened that he spared you from. What are, what are amazing blessings that he has poured out into your life? What are ways that he has transformed you, either through a, 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 a single event that radically changed who you were or slowly and steadily and faithfully throughout your life, feeding you, growing you, nurturing you, and developing you? What's God's story with you? We'll come back to that a little bit later. Now, John then shares this invitation. And the disciples that follow, Andrew shares this invitation to come and see. What an incredible opportunity, right? It's not just to take my word for it, 
It's come and see for yourself. See it with your own eyes. See, there's a level of transparency here. Don't just take my word for it as your pastor. Spend time digging into Scripture. Come and see who he is and what he does in your life. Come and see. You have to see in order to be a witness. Before you testify of Jesus, you need to encounter him, relate with him, engage with him. Before you see him, you need to respond to that invitation he sends to you. And that response is just simply follow, to come and see, to come and stay because he stays and abides with us. He dwells within us. In verse 39, John, the evangelizer says this, so they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was the 10th hour. They came, they saw, and they stayed. It's a nice progression of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And it's never finished, right? All of our life, the Holy Spirit calls us by the gospel and enlightens us with his gifts. He shows us who he is. See for yourself. Jesus draws near in his presence to us through his word. Every time we receive the Lord's Supper, every time we remember our baptisms, every time we gather together and connect with other believers, every time we pray, Jesus draws near. And he invites us to follow him. See, the Holy Spirit works in our heart and moves us to follow and stay with him and see what he does in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who moves us to tell others about what we have seen Jesus do and to stay with him. Now, it doesn't mean that we, we stay in one location, but that we abide in him as he abides in us, dwells in us, And it's a continual thing. We're always in this kingdom of God, right here and right now, to be aware of that as you go about your daily life, that you are remaining in him. And then once you you do this, it's just a natural outpouring of of witnessing. That, That as John the Baptist just blurts out, he can't keep it if he wanted to. He says, behold the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Messiah. And he tells his disciples, that's him. And they follow him. You just can't help but share the story. But, I mean, if we're honest, 2,000 years go by and the shine kind of wears off. Maybe the sense of urgency dulls a little bit. You know, it's easy to let other things take a priority in our life. The urge to witness has become more of an urge to keep our faith private. When was the last time you invited someone to to just walk with you in life in, in an attempt to disciple them and train them up? When was the last time you invited somebody to church? Or took a took a gamble and just went to a catalyst small group to learn who other believers here at St. Luke's are. Or just invite somebody to lunch to talk about life and how Jesus makes a difference in it. I think all of us could do a better job of that. I know I could. And then consider your story. You see, John could only recognize Jesus because of the Holy Spirit opening his eyes to be able to see the Spirit fall on him and descend on him and remain on him to hear the Father's voice saying, this is my son 
And the same is true for us. We can only recognize Jesus when the Holy Spirit opens up our lives, awakens our heart to the power of life in Christ to see him. Through word, of, of, through word and sacrament, prayer, connecting with others, only by the power of, of the Holy Spirit is faith engaged. Both in the things that we say and the way that we live. Right? It doesn't always have to be a verbal proclamation. People look at you, know that you are a Christian, and observe your behaviors to see what does that mean. And you either reflect Jesus or you don't. That's a good reminder that the people are watching. Moms and dads, if you have kids at home, your young people are watching you. Are you the same person on Sunday morning as you are Saturday night? Your kids are watching. And moms and dads, if your lifestyle does not reflect the faith that you have, they're looking at you and they're thinking, I don't want any part of this. If that's what it means to be a Christian, that you're one person in one place and you're another person when you're not in church, I don't want any part of that. The world is watching. This invitation to come and see is so important that we are constantly inviting people to come and see, whether you realize it or not, whether you say it out loud or not. We're to share these stories that God has worked in our lives, to share the fact that our God is a God who transforms and brings change. Sharing one's story helps give other people permission to share their own stories with God and maybe share their own struggles with God. And when you can share a story that maybe is, is similar to what somebody else is encountering and you share something of hope, of change, of transformation, it, it passes that hope on like it's contagious to that other person that if that change is possible for him, maybe it's possible for me too. It's so incredibly important to know that God does not bring change into our lives for our sake only but for the sake of bearing witness to others, that others would receive this invitation to come and see for themselves and see God at work in their lives so that they can't help it but go out and tell other people the witness that God has given to them. Jesus draws near to us in, in the word and in sacraments, and Jesus invites us to follow him. The Holy Spirit moves in us the desire to follow him and abide with him, to dwell with him, and see what he does in our lives. The Holy Spirit moves us to tell others of what we have seen Jesus do and then extend that invitation. That we share the invitation to come and see so that others might come and stay. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are and what you continue to do. Continue to call to us. Continue to send your Holy Spirit to awaken our hearts, to have a desire to follow after you. God, open up our eyes to the many ways that you are at work in our lives and remove barriers for us to be able to share our stories with others that they might know you as we do. Father, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we take some time to pause and reflect on God's word shared today, um, we also take time to consider our gratitude to God for all that he's poured out into our lives. Um, just as a, as a thank you uh, to, to all of you who, who just generously and faithfully support the ministry here at St. Luke's, it is the kickoff of, of 
of National Lutheran Schools Week, and it's a, it's a lot of fun here. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of energy, uh, and this school only exists because of you. So thank you so much for your incredible support for this incredibly engaging ministry that impacts hundreds, hundreds of kids every year.